0: Thank you for listening to audio content from South Cities Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. For more information or resources, visit us online at southcities.church. Let's pray one more time together. Lord, thank you that you hear our prayers because of the blood of Jesus. Thank you that we're not praying to some far off deity who's unconcerned, but we're praying to our Father who's all in, who's always leaning in, who always cares, who always hears. Lord, help us feel the reality of your transcendence and your imminence today as we learn to pray. So be with us through your word, by your spirit, we pray now, in Jesus' name, amen. So last week we said that when we read God's word, it's like breathing in, Breathing in God's word, seeing who he is, seeing what he's done, having him nourish us with what is true. And this week, I would say, is breathing it back out to him. Breathing it back out to him, what we've taken in, talking to him about what we've seen, laying our burdens before him based on all that we've seen in his word about him. In other words, you could really break down the Christian life at an individual level and corporate level to hearing from God in the word and then talking to God in prayer. Right, hearing from God in the Word and talking to God in prayer just over and over and over again. Last week, we saw Jesus fight temptation with the Word of God so that he could be our perfect substitute sacrifice. And because he won that battle against temptation, because he won that battle against temptation all the way to the cross and became our perfect substitute sacrifice, that means, amazingly, that all who trust in him have 24 seven access to the living God. I just wanna start there, that's what, that's what prayer is. Prayer means that right now, if you feel a burden, if you feel a, a care, if you have a worry, you don't have to come to me to talk to God. You don't have to go to anyone else to talk to God, you just talk to God because of the blood of Jesus. The all powerful God of the universe says, come. Right? Jesus has made a way and there's grace And mercy and well-timed help for you. We, broken, finite humans, can go to the throne of grace whenever and wherever we are. And when we go there, we don't find the door shut. We don't find a line, right? A line like at a store we have to wait longer than we hope for. We don't find a father with a furrowed brow. When we go there, he's there. He's waiting He's eager to hear. He's eager to help. He's the kind of listener that you feel lean in because he really cares. The kind of listener that will ask your heart more questions because he, he wants to know who you are and what you're bringing. And this week, we're just going to let Jesus teach us how to pray to our Father. Right? These passages that we've gone through the last couple of weeks are popular because they're so profound. Sometimes we can go, oh, we're not going to go there again. We've heard that one all the time. But they're so popular because they're so simple and profound. They're familiar to us because they're so foundational to our faith. And so we're going to let Jesus teach us. But before we do, we need a heart check. Because that's how Jesus starts here. So when Jesus is going to teach us how to pray, he's not merely teaching us the words to say, right? He's teaching us the the disposition of our hearts that the words are coming from a genuine place so that our hearts and our words accord. Because if we say these things, but we don't mean them from our heart, then we're just going to be saying empty phrases like Jesus warns again. So he gives, even before he teaches us how to pray, two different warnings. And the way I would talk about these warnings is that Jesus is teaching us that the most important thing is true Fellowship in his presence, not false performance. So fellowship in his presence and not false performance. So he takes it from two different angles. If you look at verses five and six that Bob just read, he talks about folks who like to pray in public. Right? And that would have been common then. Get on a street corner, pray in public, be seen as a spiritual leader. Everyone would gather around and be go, I want to pray like that guy prays. So they want to be seen as spiritual. They want others to notice their activity and use God to make themselves look good. So it's a false facade, not really interested in fellowship with the living God, but interested in being known as spiritual or maybe deep or mature or finding their identity and how others view their commitment to God or to church or whatever. In other words... Jesus is saying that's a false performance, not fellowship in his presence. it's a kind of scary, hypocritical and pretend life, right? They're pretenders. This isn't real. It's not coming from their hearts. And they're not tasting any real fellowship or presence or power of God. And this is, I think, a good warning to us. If you're familiar with church, which many of us are familiar with church, If you're familiar with religion, it's a good thing to stop and say, am I just going through the motions right now? Am I going through the motions or playing a game of spirituality that helps me fit into this little community where my friends are, where all these people I know are? Or am I actually after fellowship with the living God? I really want God. Or am I playing the game here? And what does he say the antidote is, or what's the the right way to do this? He says, go, pray in secret to your Father. Shut the door, don't let other people see you. Talk to your God, have fellowship with the Almighty God who is also your kind and compassionate Father. And if that sounds boring to you, that sounds boring to you, then your heart's not in the right place, right? If, if, If preaching sounds really exciting to me, and fellowship with God every morning doesn't sound exciting to me that's a problem right you don't you don't want a pastor like that you don't want a, a life like that you want people who in your life and at your church and around that are meeting daily with the living God because he's the most exciting compelling reality in the world and he's a father that they know they need help from so he says don't do this right don't Care more about being seen as spiritual and fitting in with the crowd in a certain way. Care about fellowship with God. Those people have their reward. What's the reward? They get to be seen as cool and spiritual in whatever community they are. People look at them and go, wow. He says, but the real reward is me. I'm the reward. Do you want that more or do you want me more? And then the second angle that he takes of this heart check is empty and many words to God. Again, this is false performance for God. Likely pulling on stuff that the Gentiles would do in their temples, trying to prove or earn maturity, trying to convince the God with many words in their temples that you were worth listening to, trying to convince the God that your concerns might be more pressing than that person's concerns because the God could only do so much. And here, Jesus says, your God's not like that. (laughs) Your God's not like that. As a child of God, by the blood of Jesus, you don't need to play games. You don't need to prove you're good enough to be heard. You don't need a bunch of words to prove that your concern is more important than someone else's concern. Because he already knows what you need before you ask him. That's really comforting, isn't it? I don't have to go and prove my case. I don't have to go and convince God to listen to me. When I come, he's like, I'm glad you're here. I know what you need. But go ahead and tell me. Go ahead and tell me. Let's talk about it. I'd, I'd love to hear it from you. I'd love to help you in this moment. He says, pray simple, straightforward prayers because it's about living in the fellowship and provision we already have, not trying to earn it. So before we dive in, the question is, are we as a people, after fellowship in his presence, fellowship, closeness, relationship with our Father, Or are we trying to look good to others or God in some kind of false performance? So it's just a good heart check, right? What are we doing when we pray? Do we love to pray? Do we love to go to our Father? Are we playing a game, right? Or maybe we love to pray here and lift up our hands here, but when we go home, we'd be much more interested in our fantasy stats than we would fellowship with God. And I don't think fantasy stats are bad. You can like fantasy football and love Jesus. But I'm saying, what makes your heart excited What do you want most? Is it fellowship with the living God? So let's let Jesus now teach us how to pray. Verse 9 talks about his worth. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So I think three words can sum up verse 9. imminence, transcendence, and worth. So imminence, transcendence, and worth. So first, imminence. The God of the universe, because of the blood of Jesus, is our father. He's our father. Kids, I hope you have good dads that love you and care for you and help you. Not everyone has a good dad. And I mean it when I say I'm sorry for that. And I know that no one has a perfect dad. All dads mess up. But God is a perfect father. And what does Jesus want us to get from that? Why does he remind us? He said it twice already in the prelude where we're checking our hearts. And now he says it here, which means he really wants us to think about it that way. And I think what he means is that we have a God who is a father, which means he's always protecting. He's always providing. He's always compassionate. He's always caring. He's always leaning in. He's always moving close to the pain and the hurt. He's always there to lovingly discipline us for the sake of our good. He's always there with our arms wide open when we come running back from our sin. So the question this morning is to start as we think about our posture and prayer is do you believe that today? Do you believe that in your circumstances right now, whatever they are? Do you believe that in your suffering? Do you believe that in your sin, that God is our Father and he longs to draw near to you and have you draw near to him? There's a, an eminence Jesus wants us to get. He's not just up there far off. He's your Father. He's your Father who stoops down, right? He's your Father who wants to hear. He's your Father who wants fellowship with you. So eminence and nearness but then there's transcendence. He's in heaven. <laughs> he rules over all things. Right, Jesus, the Father, God our triune God does not need to win an election to gain any kind of control or power. No one can stop him or mess up his plans or purposes. God does what he pleases. He's in control. He's holy and should be feared with a a holy reverence and obeyed with a glad seriousness. And that God, the one who created all things and holds them all together, the one who rules over all things, that God is our father. His his imminence doesn't make him less powerful and his power doesn't make him less near. Isn't that good news? (laughs) To have that kind of father and that kind of God. And finally, worth. So imminence, transcendence, and worth. To hallow is an old word that means to set something apart. To set it apart from everything else. To to sanctify it. to, To put it in the right place that makes it better and bigger and sweeter than everything else. To lift it up above all others. And because of his creation and his redemption and his holiness and power, Jesus is simply saying he is infinitely worthy. And because he's infinitely worthy... This is the first request of the prayer that Jesus tells us to pray. Here's who he is. He's your father. He's in heaven, transcendence and eminence coming together. And so here's what your heart should pray first. Lord, have your name lifted high above every other name in my life and in this world. Lord, be seen as great as you are, We're not trying to make him something. We're trying to recognize what's really there. We're not trying to make him great. We're not trying to play games like, look at my God is better than your God. We're just trying to say, do you see what's real? This is what's real. This is who he is. Lord, help people see what's real. Help them. Hallow your name because it should be. Because it's right for it to be. It's worthy for it to be. Make your name great like it ought to be. And it's not, again, an impersonal prayer. Like, it's easy to pray that like out there, like, oh, Lord, the world out there is so bad. Help them see your great name. Yes, that's true. We should pray that. But what about, Lord, help me see you. Help me see you like you really are. Help me treasure you as best. Let my life reflect your worth. Let my life reflect your worth for the sake of others seeing you as you truly are. Lord, let my life reflect that every breath and every thought and every action of my life until the day I see you face to face ought to be submitted under this idea of like, you need to be seen as great. That's really what it's saying, like, make that my heart, make my heart line up, be oriented with reality, which I think is a lot of what prayer is, God talking to us and us talking to him to reorient our lives and our hearts to be in accord with reality so the heart cry of the child of God is not false performance but in fellowship and presence and simply talking to God and believing that he's a caring father by the blood of Jesus he cares about you believing right that he's the one that's a king and has all the power believing that the best place to be is in his presence Knowing he ransomed you, he chose you, he adopted you, he pursues you with goodness and mercy, he disciplines you with kindness as a loving father, he sacrifices for the sake of love, he rules over all things so you can feel safe and secure. And then he changes your heart so that you simply want to see this reality day by day and you want everyone else to see it with you so that you and all those around you would just agree and say, hallowed be thy name. That's the cry of my heart. That's, that's what would be best for you if you could see that. If you could love him like that. That's what's true. That in all situations, in all circumstances, the fun ones, the sweet ones, the hard ones, the bitter ones, that the cry of our heart would be, make your name great in this. Make your name great through this. To the God that we know we can trust is all powerful and our all tender father. So the question for our hearts, because this question shapes all other questions. The question for your heart this morning and my heart all week, because I'm reading this, right, is, do I really want that? Like, is is the cry of my heart most, because of who you are and what you've done, because of just what's true of all reality, be seen as great in my life, in my heart, in the world, and in the people I love around me. Point number two, his will. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if our deepest desire is for our heavenly father to be praised and seen as good and true and beautiful and powerful as he really is, then the next step our hearts take is we just go, man, we just want everything Everything to reflect his character. We want all of his will to happen. If he's really that good and that's really our desire, then our hearts just start to go, I just want you everywhere. (laughs) I just want your will everywhere and your character everywhere. And everything that you say is good and right and true to just be everywhere. Lord, do it. (laughs) Do it in me. Do it in us. Do it in this place. Lord, would you do it? We want him to rule. We want his reign to spread, right? I just want his reign to spread and undo all that is bad and false and ugly and competing with him in me and around me. Like, just take it out. <laughs> Do you ever feel like that in prayer? Like, Lord, I want your will, but I just know in here is so messy. Would you just come and rule? Just like reign over my heart. Reign over my family. Reign over our church. And then, Lord, spread that through the gospel in these south cities, Want him to help us submit in our own lives and then be a part of spreading the good news of the gospel wherever we are. Think, on earth as it is in heaven, is this talking about a place where there's complete joy in worship, complete reverence in worship, complete absence of sin. We have a picture of that in several places, like Revelation 5 that Daniel talked about, where there's worship and adoration and joy in his holiness. There's no one there opposed to Jesus. There's no one like begrudgingly serving Jesus, right? There's no one like getting dragged to church. There's just people there like, this is Jesus, right? Look at the one who sits on the throne and the lamb that's slain. What else are we gonna do? We're going to worship. We're going to fall on our faces and say, worthy are you. And Jesus is just saying, shouldn't that be what we want now? In our lives, in our church, in this place, isn't that what would be good? Right? It's going to happen. He's going to come back. I love Pastor Daniel always says it would be better if he just came back. And then he always says it would. (laughs) It would. It's going to happen. And it would be better. But right now, don't we want as much of this as we can get until the day where this comes true ultimately and so what Jesus is after here is hearts that want his name to be hallowed and then take the next step and say so come and do it come and rule come and reign come and make your purses come to pass with joy and passion and engagement if you go man I still know what that would look like like this is not much different than what happens in election years in our country It's not, right? People decide who they think will be best and most trustworthy. They seek to make their name great and then they want all of their policies and plans to come to fruition, right? We we know what this is like, right? That's what you want, like we want this because we think it's gonna be good. I had a coach and he used to say that we needed to actually do the things reflected on the name of the front of our jersey if we wanted that name to mean anything. That's the same idea here. We want this name to be hallowed. So come and do the things you need to do. In me, in us, come and do it. And the good news for us is that our king always wins. He always wins. He's always reigning. He'll never lose. His purposes will come to pass so that we don't have to put our hope or joy or kindness, right, our identity in a kind of circumstantial if-then way about who wins, But we do daily have to reorient our hearts to submit to Jesus. We do daily have to reorient our hearts to do that because it's so easy to wander. This prayer is really saying, Lord, in all the radical, simple, deep, to the very nooks and crannies of my heart kind of ways, make my heart submit to your word as king. Just do it. Rule me. (laughs) Rule my heart. Right, Lord, do what you need to do to make that happen in my heart first and then going out from me to the whole world. Put sin to death in me because sin is not your will. Right? Just put it to death. Right? Help me endure suffering with trust and joy. Help my heart bow to you and then help me live out of that bowing until the day you make all things new. So this is a prayer to actually have God cause the disposition of our heart to being glad submission into whatever he says is true. And I've just, I think I said it last week too, it is easy for me to read the Bible and go, oh, that's good, that's good, ooh, that's good, that's juicy, right, that, that'll make me feel good for a second, and not go, oh, he says that, so I gotta stop this. Oh, he says that, so Lord, actually change me to not do that anymore, right? I want the name on my jersey to mean something. I want, when I say I love Jesus, for to, to mean something to those around me right it's a prayer to actually look around and ask how I can be a part of others seeing what is true we want your kingdom to come your will be done as long as it doesn't mess up our schedules right I'm guilty of this but as long as it means I don't have to talk to my neighbor right like that'd be scary they might not like me as long as it doesn't demand anything risky or anything like that for me, as long as I can still live in all the comforts, then, then your will be done, like your will be done as long as it's like my will too, you know? And we all do that, like I'm not, I'm not getting after you, I do it all the time, just been letting this text wash over me, so, so how do we submit, how do we pray this? It's a prayer that fundamentally says to God, you're greater, your plans are wiser, And I want to be a faithful son or daughter in your kingdom more than I want status, success, control, comfort, or getting my own way. It's a prayer of worship, submission, and ambition. You're greater. Make me bow to you and help the world see that you're worthy of worship. Right? You're wiser. Help me submit to you and help the world see that submission to you is a happy and good thing. You're better. Help the world know you and help me be a part of them knowing you're better. Lord, change whatever you need to in my life and bring about the right heart in me and help me bring these things to bear wherever you have me. It's a hard prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. <laughs> or do whatever you gotta do to make your will happen in my life. And then, after these two fairly lofty prayers, would be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. It gets very practical because the way those things actually happen is not just in lofty prayers and expectations and adrenaline-filled hearts, but on the ground, day by day, application of those changed hearts in real-life dependence on our Father. So then Jesus goes through these three basic realities for the people of God who want to see the name of their Heavenly Father made great and see all his purposes come to pass in their life. Verses 11 to 13. First he says, pray like this. You should pray. You should not feel bad about praying this way. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, again, daily bread might not make a ton of sense to most of us. Most people here, you probably had the privilege of choosing what you wanted to eat this morning. Right? You had had this option. You had this option. You had this option. You're going to leave here and you're going to decide, like, where you want to eat out. Right? Or maybe you have something cooking at home. Right? But you have options. So daily bread doesn't always make a ton of sense to us. You're not wondering about your next meal, but often for day laborers in this culture, they would work to provide just the ingredients for the daily bread, either for that evening or for the next day for their family. And then they would have to get up and do it again and hope they could find work and hope they could provide again the next day's daily bread. And this prayer, therefore, is really a prayer for the Lord to meet our basic needs. Again, this is, this is a father going Right? We're not living in a pretend world. I've put you here, and you can ask me for help. I know that to live and make my name great, there's things you need physically to just make it and to keep going. And that's what this prayer is. We could translate it this way. Lord, help me find a job. Help me work hard at it. Help me provide for my family and my friends around me through it that me and my family and my friends would have what we need and maybe there'd be some left over to love others and some to give to your kingdom purposes. Lord, help me find a job and put my hands to the plow and provide what we need that we might glorify you. Lord, help us be wise with what you give us and hard workers that make you look great day in and day out. Right, Already built into this prayer from the beginning is help me do my job in a way that makes your name look good and fellowship with you look good. In other words, how will the kingdom of God and his purposes come to pass? It will come to pass as his people daily depend on him to provide what we need and daily live wherever we are in a way that's dependent, joyful, and points beyond ourselves to him. So if you just think like your job is monotonous and boring, just pray this prayer, Lord, give me what I need today. (laughs) Give me what I need to, to work for you to love you, to make a difference at my job. Lord, thank you for providing for this for my family and my friends and to give back to you. Lord, man, if you have that mindset in your your daily routines, also in your daily routines are eternal routines. And they're not just monotonous things that you just have to do to pay the bills, right? They're dependence on the Lord and the reception of his goodness to you. And I think we get to ask this with great confidence And expectation because our heavenly God with all the power to provide is also our heavenly Father who wants to care for his children. Kids, you have parents that take care of you. You can ask them for help. They're not perfect. But God is perfect as a good parent who gives good things to the children he loves. And remember from before already, he knows what we need before we ask. Right? So you're not coming to him with a surprise. Like, God, I I just, I really need a job. I know you didn't know that. So if you could, you know, get to that. Lord, I could really use this or that. So if you could just get that. He knows what you need. And he's eager to lean in and listen and provide for the children that he loves. We should plead for this kind of day-by-day provision of all we need. Second, he says, and forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgive our debtors or those who have sinned against us. So those who trust Jesus, hear, if you're like me, you hear, hallowed be your name. I want that. Every, every breath, every thought. Right? Your kingdom come, your will be done, and earth is in heaven. Lord, do it in every place in my life, every nook and cranny in my life. And then you go, oh, no. I don't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. right? I, I messed up this morning five times already. right? You, you just feel your inadequacy. And so Jesus says, you know what else you're going to have to pray for? You're going to have to pray for forgiveness. Forgiveness over and over again. Those who trust in Jesus know we're not perfect. We know we will not always make his name great. We will not always live out his purposes perfectly. In fact, we will repeatedly dishonor him. We will repeatedly hurt other people made in his image. We know we'll sin against him and others, and we know others will sin against us, and so we ask for forgiveness We we pray for daily provision and make his name great and have his purposes come and then we get to the end of the day and we look at the impatience and the anger and the control that leads to anxiety and the frustration, maybe the gossip and the lust and the laziness and the apathy and the self-sufficiency and the self-focus and the pride and Jesus says, you're going to have to say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Help me again. Get my heart on your name. In your praise, help my heart want what you want. Help my heart bow to your will and your purposes personally. And Lord, you've given me so much in Jesus. Help me not to hold on to anger or bitterness or unforgiveness towards others. I have dishonored you and hurt others. Forgive me for the way my sin has affected those around me. And Lord, other sin has affected me. Please help me to be quick to forgive. Right, we just need to pray that all the time. I mean, I need to pray all the time for forgiveness for my own sins. But if I'm honest, I probably need more work in forgiving others. <laughs> right, I, I'm, I give myself the benefit of the doubt easier <laughs> than I give others the benefit of the doubt. Right? I get, Lord, you know my heart. You know what I want. And then someone else sins. I'm like, man, they're bad. Right? They're, just, they're just bad people. Right? And you have this root of bitterness rise up and you hear Jesus saying, you're just gonna have to pray all the time that you'd receive forgiveness and that you'd forgive others. The Christian life is one of continual repentance, and that continual repentance should keep our hearts humble and soft to move toward continual forgiveness of others. And in that way, I think, the church is a compelling community of humility and forgiveness in a culture of hostility and unforgiveness. Our world we live in right now does not know humility. The church should be humble. The world we live in right now does not know forgiveness. The church should be a forgiving place. The Christian life is one pointing to the goodness, beauty, and truth of God. And so we should plead for this kind of beautiful reality and community of forgiveness and forgiving. And then the last one. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one in other words uh, shall we sin that grace may abound right just keep on sinning and then ask for forgiveness Paul would say may it never be Jesus would say pray like this right so we don't just want forgiveness over and over again for the same things we want victory <laughs> we want protection so we don't just ask for forgiveness, but we ask for protection from temptation and the evil one. We ask to walk away from the things that would tempt us to walk away from Jesus. So not only forgive me, but also, Lord, please help me not go there again. Help me. right? Confessing our sins to each other, pleading for help. Help me not need control so I simmer with frustration or blow up in anger. Lord, help me. Help me rest in you in those moments. I don't want to do that again. Lord, help me not need comfort so I go again to gluttony or click again on that link or abuse again that substance. Lord, help me find rest in you, not go there again. Lord, help me not need to choose my own way, but trust in your way, and Lord, where Satan comes in our moment of weakness like you did to Jesus, whether physically or spiritually or emotionally, tries to tempt us away from Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, by your spirit and deliver us. Give us a way of escape. Help us remember who you are and that you're better. Help us remember we have a good, powerful father. Help us remember his kingdom is better. His purposes are sweeter. He's the name that we live for. Help us remember Jesus. Help us have new, sweet, spirit-wrought victory and protect us in the moment of temptation. Deliver us. Some of you have just given up on deliverance. Like, this is who I am. This is who I'm going to be. I'm just going to say, if you trust in Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit in you, pray. Lord, <laughs> Not that temptation again. Deliver me. Lord, keep me from that. Protect me from that. I don't want to go back there. Right? The, the picture the New Testament gives of us going back to our sin over and over again is like a dog returning to its vomit. So say, Lord, we don't want to do that. I don't want to go eat that again. I don't want to go to that place again. Make it as gross to me as it really is. Children of God plead for new applications of the life we have in Christ to sprout up and grow day by day in our hearts and ask for help to run from the tempting yet disgusting places we go over, we go back to again and again. So I don't want to close with an application. Here's how I want to close. I want you to bow your heads and I'm just going to walk you through five, six, seven questions here that are just in accord with this prayer and let you do some work with your heavenly Father right now. So start by talking to him and asking him, simply asking him to remind you of who he is. Ask him to remind you that he's your father and that he has all the power in heaven. Just remind yourself, ask him to remind you of who he is. Now in light of who he is, ask him to help your heart get in tune with the reality that your heart would want more than anything else for his name to be great in your life and in the world. Now talk to him and ask him to help you submit your heart to his words and his ways. Ask him what sin he might be asking you to leave or what things he might be asking you to move forward to see his will done on earth as it is in heaven. Now ask him for daily grace to provide all you need to live for him. Whether that's spiritually or physically, financially, just ask him for help. Now ask him for forgiveness for any ongoing sins you know you need to confess and receive forgiveness for and ask him to help you forgive any others that you're holding on to bitterness towards right now. And now ask him to help you fight for new joy and peace in him that will help you resist temptation, fresh victory against sin and fresh help in the time of temptation. So, Lord, here we are, your people. We want your name to be great. We want your kingdom to come, your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need your daily grace. We need forgiveness. We need to forgive others. we need help to fight the fight of faith. Resist temptation and remember who you are, that you're better than all these things. Lord, we need your... Your blessing on us, the blessing of help from the Holy Spirit that's been purchased by the blood of Christ. So come now, Lord, we're going to come, we're going to eat and drink with you, Lord, meet us in this moment, Lord, help us lay down our cares, lay down our sins, lay down our burdens and have sweet fellowship with you again. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. So if you're here and... Uh, you don't want to come forward or you'd rather stay in your seats to meditate, uh, You're uh, just raise your hand and we'll bring the elements to you. Just three quick words. One, if you're here and you're not yet trusting in Jesus, that means God is not your father uh, yet. We've been praying that maybe this would be the day where you'd, you'd want him to be your father and that you'd see Jesus as the perfect sacrifice for your sins. But if that's not you yet, just uh, don't come up and don't take the elements. This is a meal for those who trust in Jesus. If you're here and there's... We just walk through this list of sins. If there's some sin in your life that you know that you still just want to cling to more than you want fellowship with Jesus, again, we just ask you to get help. And I'm praying this would be the moment the Lord softens your heart towards repentance. But if not and the heart's still hard and you know that, don't pretend to fellowship with Jesus and fellowship with idols because God says there's gonna be discipline for that. And We don't want you to bring judgment upon yourself. And lastly, if you're here and there's some a deep, hardened uh, root of bitterness or anger or unforgiveness you have towards especially others in this body. This is supposed to be a a meal meant to show our unity in Jesus. And again, we're gonna have tons and tons of differences and all sorts of other things, and that's okay. But this meal says that the the one thing we have in common that's most deep and most true and most important is that Jesus Christ has saved us from our sins and that uh, we wanna live for him until the day we get to be with him forever. But if you're here and you're struggling and you're, you had a lot to confess and you've got some relational things to work through and you've got needs that yet aren't yet met and you're struggling, but oh, how you want more of Jesus, how you want his help, how you want his fellowship, how you want his mercy, this is a meal for broken sinners who need help. So you can bow your heads. I'm gonna say the words of institution. You can finish up any work that maybe you needed to finish up before I interrupted you with Jesus and then kind of come up whenever you're ready. The Lord Jesus on the night He's betrayed He took bread, and he gave thanks. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So finish your work with Jesus and come when you're ready.